Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to well, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick all trouble Out the door Beat out all trouble and drunk Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. Are we excited? I have my normal producer back, Her Right Royal Highness, the <laughs> Dowager, Dale Bridge. How are you looking particularly well? Oh, well, you know, I'm getting there. Getting every there. day and every way, I'm getting better and better. <laughs> Today I was making little jokes about talking the talk and walking the walk and you come up with that. I'm just an amateur compared to you. I'm an amateur, Dale. Look, it's great to have you back. It's good to see you back in the studio. Well, it's nice to see you, Joe. Yeah, well, not many people say that, but it's Well, it good. is. Yeah, well, it is. It is good. Nice. To, I, mean, I mean, it's nice to have you back. I mean, it's good to have somebody I can actually look at when I'm talking if I hate the guest. <laughs> Which now, is never, by never, the way. No, we do have a guest. He's a satorally elegant gentleman in yellow fonds. <laughs> Just the right thing for a invasion day on Saturday. It's Mr. Raymond, commonly known as Ray Bennett, Turtle Boy. Good afternoon, Ray. Good afternoon, Joe, and thanks, Dave. Mm, now, now, why would I use the word turtle boy with you, Ray. Could you explain to listeners a little joke from about a decade ago? It was a decade ago. My my son bought a little turtle and he reared it. Mm. And he was always trying to escape, continually trying to escape. Bloody (laughs) anecdote. So one day when the situation was that I was fixing up the back gate and left it open. What? Yes. I left it open. I didn't tell my son, but yes. <laughs> it cleared off. It was obviously very intelligent, but it was just wanting to make a break for it. So yeah. when it got the opportunity, oh, yeah. it was gone. Yeah. Probably down one of the culverts and yeah. probably ended up in the um, Moody Ponds Creek, yeah. then yeah. out to sea. So, Good on it. Good yeah. on it. It was a little, gr- yeah. was a little freshwater turtle? It was a little um, short-necked Murray turtle. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Go back so it's up. gone back to the Murray. Oh, it's gone back to the Murray. That's the way yeah, it should yeah. be. Yeah, yeah and I, I think you mentioned it. You said, oh, my turtle's lost. On uh, Talk Back With Attitude in the early days. That's right. Yeah, yeah and I've never yeah. forgotten. Yeah, yeah, my son was absolutely, he was very angry that yeah, it got away. Well, I didn't tell him I left the door open. What's his son's first name? Louis. Louis, he yeah. left the bloody door open. Yeah, he's in Canada. <laughs> Every, so he everything you thought about your father is correct. <laughs> he's, in, he's in Canada, so he went here. Yeah, well... This is streaming live oh, on freecr.org.au. Well, this is the internet age. You never, and it's going to be podcast for six oh, to right, eight weeks. Okay. I'm, so I'm sure some relative will alert him to the fact <laughs> <laughs> that you are a disreputable father like the rest of us. Oh. Uh, now, Ray, on a more serious note, I ask two questions. 
you know the Greg. Do you ever listen to Radical Australia? I do, of course. Yeah, I, I, listen, I listen every Wednesday. Because we've got some interesting guests and a few balls, yeah, yeah. but a lot of interesting guests. Now, don't ring and say you're a bore. <laughs> yeah. Now, what year were you born? 1947. 47? Yep. Well, you're going to be 72 this year, I'll right? be 72 in May. <laughs> but, right, people get a bit of sense. I see at all these demonstrations and commemorations and activities around the city, and I've seen you for decades. Yeah, yeah. When are you going to get some sense, mate, and, <laughs> and retire <laughs> as an activist and become a nice little grandpa looking after the grandkiddies, eh? Yeah, well, I've, I've, got a, I've got a few miles left yet, Joe, so I'll just keep going. And, I mean, the situation is that I think there's more need for people like us to get motivated, and every time you look around and you see civil liberties disappearing yeah. and you see the police state become more and more entrenched, it's the real fear. Yeah, well, in the days of social media, it's about talking the talk, not walking the walk. Yes, I've noticed that. <laughs> I was that today on the tram. Yeah, we are the walking the walk brigade. They are yeah. the talking the talk brigade. That's right. And, and I mean, deadly serious. It's, it's, it's a real issue. But let's get back to you, Ray. What's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? Ooh. Well, I, I think the first thing was going to the hospital when my younger brother was born. I was four years old and I remember mm. going there and um, mm. looking at the what appeared to be a, um, a drain pipe on the wall sort of fixated on this device. <laughs> Not your was, young brother, just the drain pipe. No, no, pipe. no, that was, that was sitting in the middle of the wall and yeah. it had a sort of a curve on it. And yeah. I, and I remember that. I remember it was painted green and it was a red brick wall. And I remember that's my first memory of life actually right. some reason I've always had an interest in architecture and engineering and that's sort of stuck in my oh, mind right. you know. oh, right. was this at the looked, old Jesse McPherson or? Looked, at, looked out of place I think it was at the old um, children's Royal, uh, oh, no, no, not no, the Royal, no, Royal, Royal Women's, of course, in Carlton. Well, in those days, you sure it wasn't Jesse McPherson? Uh, the Queen no, of, uh, no, 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 I think it was, no, it was just called the, Carlton, the, yeah. <laughs> it was just called the Royal Women's well, in yeah, Carlton so, so, yeah. how, how, many, how many brothers and sisters have you got? I've got one brother you got any sisters? No. Are no. alive? No, no. No, no. all right. No. We won't go down that It's path. just the two of us, my brother and myself. <laughs> but he's not alive, you see. Oh, yes, he's alive. <laughs> he told me oh, he wasn't alive. No, 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 he's very you much alive. Your brother, no, he's three years younger than me. He's, so he's out there. <laughs> he's out there, What's yeah, his first yeah. name? Alan. Alan. Yeah. Uh, sounds <laughs> all right. But uh, what about your parents? Where do they come from? My parents are both English. English. Yes, yes. What part of England, sir? Um, they came from the east end of London. My my mother was a Yiddish girl who came. A Yiddish girl. <laughs> she was, yes. How, how did she end up in London? Oh, well, the east end. How did she end well, up there? I think they probably came across with the Huguenots. You know, I think they came. Right. They'd been there for a very, very long time. Right. So she wasn't a, 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 a Steppel girl, as a lot right. used to say. That's right. When she right. that she speaks some Yiddish, she came from a Steppel, but she said, "No, no, I'm English." Pure English. Pure English. English. So she didn't, she didn't go to the synagogue? Uh, or did she? On occasions. On occasions. Yeah, yeah. Mm. She wasn't observant, but she went on occasions. She went on occasion to the yes. synagogue. Well, yeah. that makes you Jewish. It does, yes. Yeah, yeah part. Ah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Your mother's Jewish, you're Jewish. End of, end of the career. If your father was Jewish, that's it. Yeah, where where yeah. did the old man come from? Uh, he was, um, his father was an American. Uh, and I was, so I was brought up with the hygienist philosophy. <laughs> Hygienist philosophy. What's yeah, that? Yeah, it was basically a sort of a, a method of um, 
the food you ate, right. uh, abs- total abstention abst- from alcohol and, and, and tobacco, right, which they didn't right. follow, and also a dire hatred of things like masturbation, exactly, which is called yeah. self-pollution. Well, that's what it came. I was, go- I, was go- I was going to go into that, bro. That's right, yeah, yeah. As, a, as an elderly doctor, yeah. it was a medical uh Thing. A hygienist were basically anti-masturbationists. That's what it was set up for. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. What, that oh, there were other things. They, they. No, 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 no. It was all about masturbation. They were very right? much into um, enemas and uh, exactly. Yes, yeah, they, they believed in colonic irrigation. It actually cleaning the um, toxins from your body. And my That's father right. was crazy about things like that. He was quite eccentric. Eccentric was he? Well, that <laughs> yeah. explains a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so why do they pull up stumps and come to the land of Oz? Who knows? Where do they come? My father was, was born in the US, so he came to Australia when he was quite young. So that your parents met here? No, no, they met in England after the war. Right. Yep, and yep. what, did he live there or did your mum go to the US? Or? Uh, no, no, they both decided to come back here. My father decided to bring my mother back to Australia. Why? Um, well, England was pretty grim at the time. I yeah, mean, yeah, rationally, we used to send them little parcels, if I remember correctly. It was, it was. Yeah. I mean, those parcels came from Australia. Mm, and people mm. were very, very grateful. Mm. I mean, even when I was in England in the 70s, I mean, it was quite common to have, um, you know, roast lamb, which was Australian. It was basically subsidised, so everybody in Britain could afford to have roast lamb. Mm. And, of course, all that disappeared when Britain entered the EU. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Well, they're, they're, who knows? They... Once they it might be back. One they exit, it could be back on the on the you know on the marketplace. Roast lamb for every English family. Yes, with uh, with mint mint oh, sauces. God, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, roast lamb. Mint yeah, I've sauce. given up eating meat. So just yeah, I know that. Looking at you, I can understand that. But we'll get we'll get into that. So you're a Melbourne boy, obviously. Yes, you were yes. born in Melbourne. No, 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 I was born in London. London. Yes, I came here when I was five months old. Five months old. Yes. So were your parents the original ten pound? Poms, or did they pay their own way? Um, I think, I think they were probably ten pound poms. <laughs> they, never t- they never talk about that. They they never talk about I guess that. they were. Yeah, yeah but yeah. then because my father was Australian, then I yeah. guess that maybe yeah. he was coming back from war, so he got a free trip. He got a free trip. Mm. Oh, well, he's a return service person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, where did you live? We first of all we lived in um, the suburb was called Newmarket. Good old Newmarket. That's right. Near the abattoirs. Yes, near the old abattoirs. All the guts and the blood running down the street. That's right. Yeah, 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 it it was was like that. And the smell and the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like that. It's hard to believe when you go there now, but it was. You know, you can't buy a house there for less than one point five mil. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's just extraordinary. And, And living there has totally changed. I mean. When I went there and uh, from Newmarket to Kensington, which was a big <laughs> oh, a mile, a it, yeah. the whole area was basically working class people, yeah, yeah. mainly Irish Catholics, Labor voters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all that's changed. Um, mm. Where I live now, I've got a doctor on one side, yeah. and a um, considering your health, yeah, a lawyer on the other. Lawyer on the other. Doctor on one, a lawyer on the other. Yeah. I'm, so yeah. you're one of these old renters. So how long have you been in Kensington? Well, in my present place, probably about 30 years. All right, let's yeah. say. So where did you go to primary school? The old I, I went to um, uh, Kenton, yes. I yeah. went to Kenton Primary School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, had, I've uh, actually uh, had people out of ballot box there, you know. I stood for the city of Melbourne one, one <laughs> Yes, year. I remember that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I stand for, stood for everything these days. All right, well, getting back to that. So, uh, and how long did you spend all your primary school at uh, Kensington Primary? 
most of it, yeah. Oh, I went, after that, I went to Waskerville West for a while. What, primary school? Yeah, primary school. Well, why, what did you change? Too many Catholics or what? Um, I don't know why they... Um, yeah. The school was basically falling apart, so a lot of right. people were deciding to take their kids, kids out. out. Right, the school right. has been saved. I mean, it yeah. survived the survived era where they were yeah. going to close it, down. close it down, but it has survived, and yeah. now, of course, it's very... Um, very large school. Because yeah, across the road, was it from the... Uh, is it Greek Orthodox or Syrian Orthodox? Uh, or Egyptian Coptic. Egyptian. Yes. Well, nearly there. <laughs> yeah, I, I often go in there and look at the icons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. And uh, where did you go to high school? I went to high school. I went to Maribyrnong High. Maribyrnong High. Maribyrnong High School, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah what was, was that like in the, in, the, in the 60s? Well, it was... Quite good. Most of the um, the kids there were um, there was a lot of Italians, Maltese, yeah, Greek yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, majority of the of, of my friends were Italian. Right. Yeah. Italiano. Oh yeah, yeah. Un bogo. Yeah, all that. All that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. won't use the swear words. Yeah, yeah, that's what the yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I went to school. All those little brats that's would right. have taught you. Yeah. I was one of those brats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to school with um, Joseph Galacci, who's now High Court judge. Fine. Yeah, and oh, he yeah. was. He was, and I remember that when I went to school, he brought a picture one day showing him in school in Italy, yeah. where they wear a smock, a black smock at school. Oh, he to. also told kids in Italy the teachers weren't allowed to strap the kids. There was no corporal punishment in Italian no, schools, right. yeah, which yeah. was extraordinary. So for that, he got the strap from the teacher. Oh, mm. and he was dragged up and given the strap for, for being insolent. For being insolent. <laughs> well, understandable. So it was, this was in high school. <laughs> Uh, oh, yes, yes. Primary school, yes. Primary school. Oh, high school. High school, high school. Yeah, high school. Yeah. All right. Was the strap liberally used? Oh, yeah. Mr. Bennett? Yeah, yeah. I got quite a bit. I got what six for? of the best. Why? Um, ooh. <laughs> I can't remember now. Just generally being a... What, insolent? Brat. Yeah, being a bit of a brat, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing particularly serious, but wagging school. Wagging school. What, going you know. down to the Marigong Creek and yeah, the yeah, river yeah, and playing yeah. around the, That's right. the marshes there? That's right, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I often used to get the um, I used to get the cuts quite regularly. Cuts, I like that. It's a great... Yeah, thing. yeah, it is. Young people don't know what the cuts are. No, you no. You haven't lived until you had the cuts. <laughs> yeah. Because the cuts was at the cane. No, it was the strap in my day. You put oh. two hands up together oh, and the teacher no. used to do calisthenics and run yeah. at you and hit you well, with a piece of leather. Well, <laughs> the dowager myself, Dale, we're Queenslanders and the strap is for sissies. We used to get the cane. Oh, you know about the cane? So I've read the cane, yes. Yeah, yeah. The cane was used in primary school, but generally it was given to the girls on the back of their legs, <laughs> where the boys right. got the cuts on their hands. Yes, that's extraordinary. right. Extraordinary. That was extraordinary. <laughs> well, you know, sexism of the worst type, I reckon. All right. Now getting back to that. So did you excel at anything at school apart from wagging at high school? Well, I think the only thing I excelled at school was art. Ah. My favourite subject, yeah, I wasn't very good at anything else, to tell you the truth. I oh, was, really? No, I was okay at English. My maths was appalling, or yeah. arithmetic, I'm yeah, still. Okay. <laughs> so you weren't good at reading, writing, or arithmetic? I was, no, I was good at reading, writing. It was just yeah. arithmetic I had a big problem no, with. Yeah, problem. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, still a major problem, Tay. So what, what do your parents think of all this? And you kind of sailing through high school and getting nowhere. Um, well, I managed to get through. You know, what I do you just mean? You, fin- you, you finished year 12? Yes, yes, I finished. Literally. What, 66, 67? That's right, yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be quite extraordinary. A lot of kids didn't get to year no, 12. No, they didn't, no, no. Most kids didn't get to year 12. Well, in those days, what the situation is that most kids that left school, I mean, the kids that dropped out before 
mm. year 12, went to work in factories. Yep. There was always jobs. I mean, they always found a job. Yep. Or they went to work in the meat works, was common mm. around where I lived. Yeah, the new market. Yeah. Mm. Kids who did a bit, they got an apprenticeship. Mm. And kids did really well. Went and got a job in a bank, you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. A bank, not a university. Bank, a bank, a you bank. wouldn't expect somebody from Very Melbourne on high to go to university. A lot did. A lot really? did. Yeah, especially a lot of the um, the Italians, Italians yeah. because their parents were very, very pushy. Yeah, that's right. Because in those days, mm-hmm. you still didn't have free education at university. You had, no, no, no. It wasn't you had scholarships. Until, yeah, it wasn't until Whitlam came. Yeah, because I remember I was yeah, on a scholarship university. at some stage. Now, get it. So, what happens when you le- you leave Year Twelve? Uh, when I first left school, I I went and worked in a bank. <laughs> in a bank. In a bank. Yeah, the state. What was bank. called State Savings Bank. How did you get that job? Did you, somebody in you? Well, it, it wasn't all that difficult to get jobs in those. Days. I know. So I, I mean, if you, if you got your matric, you know, you basically yeah. got to join a bank. You know, yeah. and even though I said I was really a really a dunce when it came to um, arithmetic, you got a arithmetic. job in the bank. I did, but it was mainly in um, in the office, and it was in. Public relations. Public so my, relations. Yeah, well, my job was to go out to the front when the people were sort of aggravated while they were waiting, keep them in conversation until right. things cut through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're the young buck yeah. they sent out. Yeah, to there was no, no computerisation. No, no, no. Everything was legis. Yeah, yeah mm. that's good. And how long did that last for? Oh, I was probably there for about three years. Three years. Yeah, so why did yeah. you leave it around 1920? Um, I left... To, um, I went to England. Excuse me. I went back to England. What for? Basically to. Um, I mean, well, things are starting to move in Melbourne. Yeah, you got the yeah. moratoriums. The, got yeah, I came back in time for the moratoriums. Oh, all right, well, let's go to England. How long were you in England for? I was in England for about two to three years, I think. You weren't a draft dodger, were you, mate? Uh, come on, no, come no, on. no. Come on, um, come on. You're, you're eligible to be in the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, you went my, to England I, for I, two or three I, years. My, my name was never called up. So your marble didn't come up? No, marble didn't come up. So you went to England after your marble or didn't come up or before? Uh, it, it would be. He's be, a draft dodger. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a draft We've got a draft dodger. It, it would be after, I think. After, yeah, after. Yeah. And, but there were a hell of a lot of um, young men that did go for that reason. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Pointers bought out a special fee. I think it was $100. That's right. <laughs> so they've got to make a buck somehow. Exactly. Because yeah. you, you would have been a British citizen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Automatically. You didn't have to apply or anything. No, no, British no. Citizen. You would have no. had a British passport. Yeah, yeah. You could have got out of it yeah. Yeah, quite easily. And the situation was that a lot, oh, not necessarily, no, I think it didn't matter where you, they could, if your number came up, you were called up. Yeah, but you didn't have to come back. No, no, so That's no, right. No, I mean, no. you could stay in Britain for as no, long as yeah, you like. Yeah, yeah, because Britain in those times was pretty grim. I mean, yeah. the uh, I think the first job I got while I was sitting in a pub in Clapham Junction, I was a fellow told me that they needed mortuary assistance yeah. at the um, Hammersmith Morgue. Now, yeah. the Hammersmith Morgue would take most of the bodies out of the Thames between the barrier yeah. and Hammersmith Bridge. Uh-huh. So... Um, it was a clerical job. I had really, I wasn't involved in anything to do with the, um, the bodies. The bodies, but it was interesting in the time. So what year was this? Seventy, seventy-one. Yeah, that's seventy-one. So what, what did what did you do exactly? Well, I was a clerk, but I had to also go in, and I had to um, when they realised that I could use a camera. Ah! <laughs> I was then used to take pictures of identifying marks on people's bodies. Uh-huh. When people have been in the Thames only a few days, it's like a washing machine, so yeah, usually yeah. 
strips them naked. Yeah. So they end up in the morgue and they're identifying. Generally in England is the um, condition of the teeth. If the teeth were in condition, they're mm. generally accepted as being upper socioeconomic. Their mm. teeth are bad, they're low socioeconomic. If they have tattoos, which was uncommon in those days, they they're either... Yeah. Well, they were either... Polynesians, or they'd been in the Navy, yeah. or they'd been circus performers. Yeah. So my job was to take pictures of those um, tattoos. Yeah, so so in those days, uh, what percentage do you think of the bodies they recovered weren't never identified? Quite a few. Yeah. There were quite a few that were never... Obviously, people who were suicidal. But a lot of mm. people... I mean, England was a totally different society than Australia. I mean... Public drunkenness was extraordinarily common. Some people would have a few drinks and literally fall into the Thames and yeah, drown. That was right. very, very common. Yeah. Sometimes over a hundred bodies a week were fished out. Hundred bodies. Over a hundred bodies. Yes. Yeah. That would be the whole Thames. That wouldn't be the area between, mm. as I say, between the Barrier and Hammersmith Bridge, but the whole Thames. Mm-hmm. You know, go, starting you know mm-hmm. down at Tilbury, mm-hmm. going right up. To, uh, would, there you yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see, I can see, I can see in our young, what, 20 year old, 21 year old, swinging London, yeah. 1970 down to Soho, Harvey <laughs> Street. They ask, what do you do for a crust? Mortuary attendant. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be yeah. much fun at these parties, yeah, yeah. were you? Yeah. No, no. Right? <laughs> what? Did you go down there? Come on, tell yeah, us the yeah, truth. Yeah. No, look, as I say, you know, jobs are hard to get and then, after that, uh, um, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm talking about the nightlife. All <laughs> oh, right, this was the, the early seventies. Well, the nightlife was, was swinging. Fan- yeah, it the nightlife was fantastic. And it, well, every- we don't want We don't want We don't want Everything exactly. was free. You know, it yeah, was yeah. great. It was so, terrific. what sort of things would you do as a young, young buck? You know, kind of a mortician, <laughs> going down to the Soho. Or- well, I, 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 I mostly stayed around the west part of London, so I used to go to most of the, um, there were fantastic discos and clubs. Right, right. And, um, Grog was very, very cheap. Right. I mean, it was pretty awful compared to, you know, yeah, English beer. beer. In those days, there was no variety. It was just, no. you know, what in his red barrel, that, you know. Uh, it was, you know, five bob a pint, so it was yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did something very bad before I came in here. Mm. I had a beer. Had a beer, really. Yeah. I've I've been off beer for the last week. So a I'm, week you've been off. Yeah, beer I've for been a off week. beer and smokes. I haven't had a cigarette for over a month. Well, I'll talk to you about that. In a yeah, minute, yeah, because yeah. that's important. Because I've been harassing you for a yeah, day, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've you finally kicked, listened. I reckon I've kicked the habit. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Mm. Well, we'll talk about that. So, how long did you last in London for? Three years. About three. Years. Did you get involved in any uh, political activities when you were in London, or are you just kind there, of there really was just a, a hedonist? There, look, there was. Uh, a lot of um, demonstrations against the Vietnam War, even though mm. Britain wasn't involved, mm. and they were outside the American Embassy, mm. and um, a lot of Australians took part in that, in mm. those demonstrations. Mm. Uh, they weren't reported here, of course, in no, Australia. No. They've got very little. Yeah. But um, generally the feeling was in England that the Vietnam War was basically, uh, it was a capitalist war, and Australia had been dragged in. Yeah. Of course, to pay for the F-111, so that's mm. the whole reason why we were there. And the whole concept of conscription was pretty revolting. And I mean, people in England were concerned. I mean, even though conscription was used in Britain, of course, Britain was being invaded, so therefore it was regarded as being acceptable. In the, state, in the case of Australia, I think a lot of English people were surprised that one could have uh, your number literally drawn out of a bounty. Well, I, I think a lot of Australians were surprised. <laughs> 
A lot of Australians were, and I mean, no. I when I came back, I got involved in the moratorium. All right, let's get back. What did you get back in '72 or '73? About '73, I think. It's all yeah. over then, by the shack. No, no, no. This was, uh, I, I think. I got back before, um, before the Whitlam government was elected. So I got so back before... Early 72. Yeah, early 72. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was in Melbourne for the big moratorium, which yeah. I think was probably the largest. People have, you know, often said at recent um, mm. demonstrations, the largest, but the first moratorium was huge. That's yeah. John, John yeah. Uh, Well, Cairns. you realise there is one protest which nobody remembers, which was in terms of percentage of the people of Melbourne involved, it was the biggest demonstration ever in the history of Australia. The anti-conception rally, which was organised by the Women's Peace Army from uh, the old RMIT uh, Story Hall, about a week before the first plebiscite in uh, December uh, 1916, over 120,000 people out of a population of less than 600,000 gathered on the Arab banks and walked from the... And there are photos of it. Just masses of women. Only women speakers. Extraordinary, yeah. Uh, And and the moratoriums were big. I remember I was involved and uh, they were big, but in terms of the percentage of population. And again, it was... Over conscription. It was yes. over conscription. Yeah, yeah. I think because if there was no conscription, I don't think there would be much uh, resistance against the Vietnam War. To be honest. No, no. The um, the, the the groups in Australia were that women were very influential. It was Save Our Sons movement mm. in um, Australia, mm. which were very influential. Yeah. And as I say, I the largest demonstration I ever went to was the first moratorium. And it was quite interesting that when we were there in force, Mm. the police held back. But what happened afterwards, that any stragglers who were around the city were bashed. I mean, bashed severely by the police. They were vicious in those days. But it was only again when they trucked in these um, coppers. I think Mm. they were actually military personnel dressed as police. I really believe that. I don't think they were members of the Victorian Police Force at all. Well, yeah, look, I... Mm, You know, I really think that the numbers were just Mm. too large for the amount of police in Victoria. You you want to hear a really funny story? I know it's your hour, but this is hilarious. (laughs) I was renting a property in, uh, I think, near Abinga Street in Richmond, right? And the landlord lived next door. Guess who the landlord was? He was the deputy... (laughs) Police Commissioner during the Vietnam demonstrations and he'd bail me up occasionally about his bad back that he got because some bastard of a demonstrator hit him in the back with a flagpole and he, <laughs> and here he is. He's, he's got his attendant a long haired hippie. <laughs> so funny how life is. Amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're quite right. They were very violent affairs. Yes. Very violent affairs. Yeah. Physically. Very because, because they were used to controlling the streets. They controlled crime in Melbourne. They yeah. controlled there was the, the you know the abortion thing that rackets yes. that they rang, yes. the criminal yes. gangs they rang, the yes. police. Yes. They, you know, he couldn't do anything without their permission. Yeah, it's sort of getting back to that now. You know, we saw this thing uh, uh, yesterday where a woman was bashed because she went to the aid of a person who's laying in the street in the city, mm. and she was bashed. I mean, normally the police. Good thing about Victoria Police is I've always said they know who to bash. Obviously now they don't. No, they're now they're starting to bash. I mean, once they bash a, woman, a doctor, who's obviously uh, you know a professional, influential person, very mm. articulate. Obviously, mm. It's, mm. it's different. I mean, the well, coppers now have really lost any responsibility about who they can bash. I mean, they used to love just bashing the shit kickers. Now they seem to be able to bash anybody. 
Well, <coughs> you're kind of right, and we shouldn't digress that. But I remember when we did the Institute of Public Affairs last year, the uh, Wednesday Action Group, that at one stage we had about 12 young police harassing and pushing, physically pushing mm. away um, about 10 people, average age of 17. They had no, no hesitation. The same thing happened to me in the steps of Parliament House. No hesitation. So it's interesting because mm. we're told that I think it's the lack of training. It's probably a lack of training, but also with my encounters, I've had quite a few nasty encounters. Yeah, one where a gun was stuck in my face and I was jumped yeah. all over. Yeah. When I complained, the copper basically said, we can do what we like, we're Victoria Police, so if you... Yeah. There's been the militarisation of the Victoria oh, Police yeah. over the last few... You know, the changes in uniform, the dark uniform. And the attitude, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Full, all, all the weapons they carry. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You're quite right. All right, let's get back to you. Okay, you come back to Australia, what do you do? Um... Well, Lies probably, about. probably, for a while, quite, not very much. I mean, I helped. Well, you were a bludger, dull bludger. Uh, for a while, of course, I was a dull bludger, yes. Yeah. But, but I worked then mainly in construction. I had a friend who was mm. a builder. So, builder, so I, did quite, labor, I did quite a lot of building, yeah. Were you with the BLF or on the other side? Uh, no, this, was, this guy was basically just a, a hard Independent builder. contractor. Independent contractor, but right. um, he was pro-union. And, yeah. um, so how long did you do that for? Oh, I did that for probably about five years. Five years. I still do building from time to time yeah, now. Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. <laughs> you did that for about five years. Yeah, yeah. Right, is that, is that romance entered life by then? Uh, yes, yes, I, um, yeah, I, I, I met my partner back yeah. then. And, back um, then, yeah. yeah, yeah. What was she doing? Uh, she was a university student. And um, she'd come from the country, uh-huh. and um, she was doing uh, commerce at Melbourne University. Commerce. It sits, yeah. sits, sits with your bank experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice yeah. couple. You're a banker nice and a commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Bank manager and a commerce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, sounds pretty dull. So it's 4.30. <laughs> this is Radical Australia Community Radio yeah. 3CR. Uh, Dale Bridge has come back to save me from myself. Uh, we're streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You'll be able to access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au so your son can find out the fact that the turtle was lost because of yeah, the evidence. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's all right. And we're talking to Mr. Raymond Bennett, a uh, perennial telephone box minority protester, I reckon. Yes, well, yes. Well, what did all this, what did all this well, stuff? All this, this, all sounds, this sounds like a boring yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, you've got a partner, you've got kids, yeah, yeah. you're working in construction in the yeah. private industry, you've come back, you know, you've been a hedonist yeah. in London, you're back in Melbourne, it's the 80s. Yeah, and it was a time when I think Talkback basically had, it was just kicking off on radio. Yeah. I mean, we, I think it was obviously Wilkins, a fellow from New South Wales, who had the first Talkback program. And that would have been probably back, well, probably in the early 70s. Yeah. And the whole concept then was quite new. I mean, it had been happening in the United States more than Britain. Britain never had talkback, of course, because, mm. you know, it was only had the BBC. Mm. So, and, of course, Radio Caroline out in the middle of the... Um, right. <laughs> the Thames oh, Estuary. Yeah, so right. it was all very, very controlled. So when talkback radio came to Melbourne, it was pretty much unregulated, I mean, with a few exceptions. I mean, you couldn't mention people's names, mm-hmm. you couldn't use expletives, which mm-hmm. is too basically true, but basically time, you, yeah. there was none of the situation which happens now with talkback. For instance, there's no way I can ring up talkback, apart from on 3CR. Mm-hmm. I can't ring up the ABC, mm-hmm. I certainly can't ring up 
through, I tell you, because the whole situation... So what's talkback what's talk got to do with all this radicalisation business? Well, well, I've always thought that talkback was a, a good concept because it gave ordinary people mm-hmm. some access to the media. So basically, you had a gripe, you could put it across through talkback radio, and you were listened to. And you remember the first time you called a talkback station? Probably, it was probably the ABC and it was Michael Schilberger. Good old Michael. Good old Michael Schilberger, who was basically a conservative, but I'll, and I did go to his funeral and right. I did say at his funeral right. that even though he mightn't have agreed with what you were saying, he gave you a good hearing. <laughs> and he didn't abuse you once you were gone. But sometimes you had to use a bit of subterfuge to get through. Yeah. So when they asked you the subject, you obviously say something that was acceptable, then started with that, then you moved to your real <laughs> agenda once you got on. But how, how come you had time to ring Talkback Radio? Well, I mean, I've, you're I've, in construction, Yeah, mate. I found time. I mean, you know, there was always a phone by. I used to rush off to public phones before we had mobiles. <laughs> and so what type of topics would you raise, right? Well, the, the topic, well, general topics. I mean, for instance, I've always been, I suppose... Somewhat critical of um, Victoria Police, so mm. whenever that came up, and that came up quite a bit about some of their excesses. Well, so I mean, especially I mean, in the eighties, especially in the eighties, yeah. yeah. And and general things on politics. I mean, it was the well, politics in those days of. Um, well, what got you interested in politics then, right? Uh, oh, I think it's going back to the moratorium conscription right. and basically. Um, the control of ordinary people, I think, has always sort of angered me that people's right to, to demonstrate has been curtailed. I mean, we had probably more right to demonstrate 20 years ago than what we do today. I well, mean, you do, that's right. Every time that people turn up, I can remember a situation under the um, Bailey government when my daughter, who was only 17 at the time, was at our course and they were making a film. So she turned up outside, um, I think it was Flagstaff Station, with mm. a placard that was only a mock. Mm. It was only basically to be used in this student's film. Mm. But immediately she was basically hassled by the police mm. and they took the sign off her. So I'm 17 years old, so she's got a sign, at least you which, which at is at a least she didn't have a toy gun. No. She'd be in jail for five yeah. years. Let's be, remember, that, that happened. No, it's just extraordinary that, you know, mm. a 70-year-old girl could have her prop, which was a, for a film, so taken away and threatened mm. with being um, fined because at that time they believed that um, she was going to uh, start a demonstration. I mean, it was to do with Aboriginal rights. Mm. And they were obviously very worried at the time. I tried to make inquiries because it all came to nothing because they, she hadn't been taken away. I think she gave them a pretty good mouthful. But um, she was upset. She was rattled. And I thought, well, it's an extraordinary situation where you can't carry a sign without being basically threatened with arrest. Mm. So you made any complaints? To the police? I've Official made, complaints? Oh, I've made many complaints. How many complaints would you reckon? Oh, dozens, Joe. Dozens. I mean, from... Uh, What's your strike rate? Have you ever actually had any satisfaction <laughs> from any of them? None whatsoever. None? No. Could you give us a, could you give us a range? Well, Rich, of, Richmond... Give us a range. Give us a range okay. of complaints. Rich, Richmond High School, the, when good old Jeff was trying to close that, there was quite a few demonstrations there. That's I was right. yeah. struck on the head. I still got a bit of a little dent. I can feel it. Right, right. And I uh, was knocked to the ground. Right. And um, 
I should have really wait for my and gone to hospital, but I did make a complaint that I'd been hit. Mm. And uh, they denied the whole situation. They said, well, nobody was hit. We didn't hit anybody. We never had truncheons or clubs at the time when they did. Mm. <laughs> so quite a few people were hit. I mean, there's a lot of people from, I think, Free CO. I think Susan Duffy was there. Yeah, yeah. She was knocked over and yeah, yeah. she did go in an ambulance somewhere. Mm. I should probably done the same. Yeah, I remember that. I was <laughs> yeah, it was quite violent. I was actually... Called in to do some medical work once or twice on yeah, the picket yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then of course later on there was the, the that huge demonstration. Again. I was there when we did call the ambulance for Sue. For Sue, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm and not, they not clear about it because that was eighty eight, wasn't no, it? A long no, time ago. it was. Yeah, thirty yeah. years ago. When you yeah, think about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then of course uh, another one that was at the. Um, uh, the, the Melbourne Entertainment, what's the Melbourne? Uh, oh, where's the big thing? Is. Batten, yes, Batten, Batten, the Batten Charge. Yeah, Batten, Batten Charge Batten, Bracks. The Batten Charge Bracks. Bracks. Yeah, that's right. Where he yeah. apologised on the Neil Mitchell program. Shouldn't mention him anyway. But yeah. on that program, that uh, and then later he had a change of mind and he came out and he criticised the police, which was extraordinary. A week later, yeah. It was so horrendous what happened to people there. Yeah. What I found really funny about that, uh, there was nothing funny about it, no, no. people were seriously injured, was uh, you'd see TV reports yes. and it'd say there was, it was a violent demonstration and the only thing you'd see is police <laughs> laying into people who were yeah. unarmed, yeah. on the floor, cowering in terror yeah. with their batons. That's right. And they'd say it was a violent demonstration. Exactly. And, and nobody got the irony. No, what, what I've often said to people yeah. that... It doesn't happen so much now, but whenever footage, which was mainly you know, collected by the uh, television channels, you've got to disconnect yourself from the image and the, uh, the, the, the audio, because the audio is saying to people That's right. that the police are being attacked, but it's obvious that when you look at it, That's that right. it's the police who are attacking, That's right. yet... It's it's like nineteen eighty four. How many fingers am I holding oh, up? You know, exactly. it, it, the yeah. situation was, you you you're seeing people being bashed by the police. Yet the cobbler is saying that the police are being bashed, bashed by, by used as one old, punching bags. Punching yeah, one bag. punching bags. I think that was Cal Glare who yeah, used to love yeah. that. They dragged him out <laughs> during the last election. Yeah. <laughs> and this this uh, Mr. Matthew guy had him out there, and yeah. of course it was total disaster. But anyway, I remember there was that expression where I won't have my members used as, as punching bags. Well, I've never seen the police use as punching bags. I mean, I don't think I've had a punching bag. So all the times you've kind of been found yourself in this situation, have you actually ever been found guilty of anything? Um, no, I've been to court on many occasions. Yeah. And, um, uh, no, I've never been found guilty. No, I've managed to. <laughs> You've defended yourself on these occasions? Uh, on a few occasions, other times there was a duty lawyer right, that were right. quite good. But, the, the, I mean, the cases were so bloody, obviously, stacked, you know. I mean, yeah. all those cases against the um, the freeway, Alexander Parade, I was accused of attacking the police and <laughs> break. And, yeah, me, yeah. <laughs> nine nine stone he he's, he's, he's the ad for the, you know, 50... <laughs> Two kilo weakling. Yeah, yeah. He needs to get weight oh, I'm not that weak, Joe. I'm pretty wiry. I mean, I'm you know. Well, I'm, I'm not, sure you're wiry. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Percy. You're not the type of bloke. I'm a Percy Serity boy. So yeah, I've you're, got the, you're not the type of bloke, mate. No, I'm not the sort you're of person. You get a cow in fear yeah. when you see you. you but know. I was charged with attacking police and 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 breaking equipment. Breaking equipment. Oh yes, a, a crane they were using to. A crane. Push, yeah, they had some cranes there. They were pushing over trees at so, Alexander Parade. So you pushed over a crane, did you? Supposedly, Superman. Yeah, I attacked the crane and attacked supposedly crane. broke a window, which was. 
quite absolute nonsense. Right, right. Total oh, nonsense at all. So you think it's worthwhile? What I'm getting to is a lot of people just say, oh, well, I'll cop it and that's that, I'll pay the fine. Or oh, I've never paid a fine in my life. So you, you always plead not guilty as a matter Always of, plead not guilty, never pay fines. Yeah, but you, but you plead not guilty as a matter of principle. Oh, always. Always, always. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've never been guilty, because, really. Yeah, because well, what, 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 what people don't understand is if it's a magistrate court case yes. and the police lose, they have to pay from the police budget. Yeah, and that's yeah, when they that's have, right. like the demonstrations, the... Uh, Sit-ins down at us. Was it City Square that uh, you were involved in, Dale? They, they just pull people away, but actually never arrest them. No, no. Because no. it costs money. Because if because they, they know that these these are political activists, and they'll each plead not guilty. They'll each go to court. Yes. And they'll lose some. They'll win some. And uh, it uh, affects the police budget. Well, of course they know that um, police can make accusations. None of them ever stand up in court. They're reluctant to take people to court. Mm. And I mean. Back at the time of the moratoriums, mm. the situation with the cops is they just simply wanted to bash people, That's right. and that was it. So <laughs> was if it. you if they arrested people, that just was a complication. Yeah, yeah. Which and this, it's got the same situation now. I mean, it's happening now with homeless people in the city mm. and being bashed and manhandled. Well, you, you kind of do a lot of travelling, right? Because mm. every time you ring us on Talkback, you're kind of in Whoop Whoop, Maui, Morwell, who knows? What? Mm. what? What's this thing about riding the trains and the trams and travelling? What's, what's all this about? Well, I like to travel around. I, I've got quite a few friends in the Yarra Valley, so I go to Warbling uh, quite a lot. So you are retired now, fully retired? Oh, I'm fully retired, but I still do. I still help people out. I mean, there are other people who well, you, yeah, yeah, have got yeah. problems, and they, a lot of them have been pretty much ripped off. They're vulnerable, elderly people. Mm. If they have a problem with their plumbing or with their, any of their problem with the houses they generally use well they, they they unfortunately I don't want to attack general trades people but some of them no, are do, do attack them attack yeah, them. Yeah, most, well, them yeah, small, yeah, yeah, most of them are small business people yeah, yeah. and they yeah. and they do and they I mean gouge. and they do get yeah, it's it's hundred and twenty dollars to have a wash and change yeah, so yeah. So I still get around and I've I'm at present helping a friend who um it's got quite a lot of children, keeps mm. having children. The income never improves, but the house is falling down, so mm. I've decided to help him. So he would have trouble with permits, but of mm. course we're doing existing to existing work. Mm. It seems like councils throughout Melbourne love to attack people who try to repair their houses by accusing them of renovating. All they're doing is replacing same with same. Mm. So once that's pointed out, and quite a few times you'll have building inspectors or the council inspectors will drop by and ask you what you're doing and you mm. prove the fact that you're only replacing. That's what, the neighbours are complaining? Oh, the neighbours complain. It seems to be that there's so many troublemakers now who are just driving around looking for trouble. I mean, we have all this official now. I mean, like, you know, PSOs that continually, you know, give me the shits because the whole idea is if I go to the pub and I've had a few drinks and I go to the station, I'm on a train because I'm not going to drive. So they don't have, they can't take a breath test. They don't carry a breathalyzer. But what they do generally, and I'll say it's Richmond Station, where they generally try to provoke people. If you had a few drinks, they try to provoke people. Then they grab you and call the police and you charge. This is basically revenue rising. Look, the concept of the PSO started off okay. I mean, the whole idea of having people on stations late at night was a good idea. But now that's out of control. 
They've now been given uh, uh, extra areas to patrol outside the station, between the stations. So basically, there's another police force no. with six weeks training and guns. So yeah, it's a well, problem. If I, if I was the police union, I'd be a bit concerned about them being elbowed out of work, you know. Mm. I, mean, I think the police are. It's like in Britain, they have what they call community police. Right. People who basically do police work paid half of what the police are paid. Mm. And they um, now, the police unions in London, are pretty upset that you have all these people who are basically vigilantes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who've got a uniform. And they, a don't, they don't have guns. And a badge. Which is good. And a badge. And they yeah. become a problem. Mm. Mm. So you've been around a long time, Ray, obviously, in your 70s. What are the big changes you've noticed in the last few decades? Well, social media has been the biggest change. I mean, when you look at elections, I can remember when Channel 9 could win an election. Mm. You say that to people, they say, bullshit. No, Channel 9 could win an election. That happened, of course, in um, 76 election, where the mm. Whitman government was thrown out and, to, and um, Malcolm Fraser's government won office. We've basically and what happened in the last two years of the Whitlam government, which was the most reformist government in the history of this country. It was, country. yeah, it was a I mean, all yeah. constant, the constant, uh, and there was no response. That's why we're here. At, that's why there's a community radio license. Yes, yeah, that's right. Because the first thing the Whitlam government did is try to break the monopoly of the media, because they did have a monopoly. Total monopoly. Total yeah, monopoly yeah, on, yeah, on inf- yeah. by granting community radio licences. That's right. And 3CR was one of the first yeah. radio stations that took that up in 1976. Yeah. So we are a product of that particular struggle, as you said. Yeah. It wasn't just the victory in 72, which is quite extraordinary, considering all the media was against them, but what happened over the next three years, the way each and every member was personally denigrated and things were said which were totally incorrect. Exactly. The, yeah. the, the, the loan thing, it just went on. Kim and Lani on. Loans, you know, yeah. the, uh, yeah. what happened to Justice Lionel Murphy. Yes. Uh, just extraordinary. Yeah. And as I said, like you said, yeah. they had extraordinary power. They, they did, did yeah. They did win elections. Yeah. Which they no longer have. I mean, mm. I think at the last election, the la- especially the Victorian election, where mm. you look, basically all the media mm. was against the Labor government and pro-conservative. Mm. Uh, even the age, I mean, yes. people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, the age's editorial has always pushed for a conservative mm. vote. Okay. So you had the situation where you had all media was attacking the, um, the, the, the Labor government, and it was constant. It was constant in the Herald Sun, it was constant on the radio. Mm. Less obvious today on, on Channel 9 now is withdrawn from politics, mm. uh, to a large degree. Mm. I mean, they realise that it's a dead issue, but, um, it was extraordinary. I mean, I always knew Labor was going to win the election, mm. not by the numbers, which were mm. quite incredible. But mm. then when you think about it, I mean... The, the what did the opposition have to offer? Nothing. They had nothing to offer. And, nothing. and of course, the last... And even the fear campaign yeah. fell on its face. Totally because, fell on its face. Because, because the uh, statistics changed. Yes. Because of the harsher laws that had been brought in. Yeah. Yeah, it all changed. And within the the last week, you know, Matthew Guy was promising to um, privatise the sewerage works. That's which, right. Which was just extraordinary. I mean, if you go out of your way to lose an election, it seemed like he did it. But the whole situation, I argue with people who... Um, I run into Mr Prosciutto, who lost his seat, of course. Oh, did you congratulate him on his loss? Well, I did. He and was what? using the train, so he's obviously lost his limousine. <laughs> and I, and I, I said to him, I said, why 
John, he's quite a nice chap to speak to. Yeah, you know, yeah. quite pleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, why did you get rid of Matthew Guy six months before the election? He said, oh, I wanted to. He said, but no, they, they resist, they resist. I said, because he's a dead man walking. Yeah. I mean, the whole situation, people used to laugh that whole lobster thing. Yeah. But the lobster thing was something that... It's pe- symptomatic of the man. It's yeah. symptomatic, but, you know, look, mm. people aren't interested. Frere W were pushing the so-called red shirts, all these so-called conspiracies inside the party. Mm. None of those really Stone. mattered to people. Matthew Guy was mainly known for the lobster meal. A lobster is a, a simple concept. I mean, it's a luxury food most people can't have. Mm. So thinking he was having lobster and grange... Mm. It was a uh, with the type of people that's having with that with, was the key with the type of people yes <laughs> yes and it was um, yeah. it was a, a, a so social media do you actually use social media not very much not oh, no no it's oh, well I guess because my age and uh, my oh. eyesight's not terribly good mm-hmm. but no my partner uses social media all the time so I'm yeah. so so you're <laughs> so you're the walk the walk type not the talk talk social media type eh exactly because yeah, I do see yeah. you a lot of things yeah. All right, so that's one thing. What else do you think's changed? Look, I suppose you know people's attitudes. I mean, we're not living in a in a in a, in, in, a, in a society anymore where people have a great deal of empathy with others. Mm. I, I, I mean, I remember when one other job I had in Flinders Lane. I worked at a fashion house there. Mm. And the owner of the um, business would go across to New York, basically, to get the fashions for the next season, bring them back, yeah. copy them, and cut yeah. them up. Yeah. And he used to say to me, he used to say, Ray, in New York, you step over people lying on the street, and no one's a stuff. No one cares less. Mm-hmm. They're just lying on the street. And I thought, God. And then he said to me, and the same thing will happen here one day. And I thought, mm-hmm. no, that will never happen here. Mm-hmm. And it has happened now. I go to the city all the time, and I see people lying on the street, distressed people. Mm-hmm. I do give people money from time to time. Mm. I've been warned not to. Mm. I, I didn't know it was against the law. I've been told by one particular policewoman at Caulfield Station I shouldn't give money to this particular woman because she was a scammer. Well, mm. she didn't look like a scammer to me. I mean, she looked mm. a person who was in a desperate situation. And if a couple of dollars can help them, you know, sure. Even though they say, oh, they'll go and spend it on drugs, but no, definitely not. I mean, most of these people, I think one of the major problems yeah, so with let's, let's, homelessness is, is people who are... Yeah, why do you think this is happening? Why do you think people's attitudes have changed? I mean, because I agree, attitudes have changed. Mm. Anybody who's on Social Security is a loser. They're, they're marginalised, they're ostracised, they're pushed aside. Constantly we hear the government of the day and the opposition talk about... You know, welfare, welfare mm. benefits and all this type of stuff. It's as mm. if one third of the population has just been basically mm. pushed aside, forgotten mm. about. Mm. So that, why, why do you think this is happening? I think it's happened because of the media. Mm. Um, I keep on thinking of the situation of our Senator Darren Hinch, who now makes out he's some kind of great humanitarian because he started as a shock jock. Mm. And, you know, he, he was attacking Aboriginal people attacking the unemployed, attacking single mothers. That seems to be all their um, Mm. grounding as being in that negative, you know, dog whistle sort of politics that they push on that uh, sort of media, which is Mm. pretty much doesn't matter anymore. Mm. I think things that look, things are starting to change. Young people now, I think, do have more compassion. I mean, I've, most of the people who I see who, who are concerned about the people on the street, the homeless people, 
young people. I remember, I remember in the city, and this was an extraordinary situation where a man was laying in Elizabeth Street and a young woman came up with a doona that she'd obviously just bought, mm. or she, you know, she had it with her, and she wrapped it around this man's body laying on the path, mm. Mm. you know, and tucked mm. it in. Mm. Well, I thought, that's amazing. And it was a young woman. Yeah, well, we, we, during that 10-day vigil, I don't think you were there at this particular point in time, but there was a man who was obviously greatly distressed who the police took to the hospital for Royal Melbourne or SMVs five times, five times he was discharged. And it ended up that we had to clothe him because he had no clothes. Mm. It was raining. We had to offer, you know, we had to wrap him up and put him under plastic and we had to feed him. And we were the protesters. Exactly. I mean, and the state, the state authorities could do nothing because the bloke had been banned from the Salvation Army shelter. He had obviously psychiatric uh, issues, huge psychiatric issues. Mm. The hospital wouldn't take him because they wouldn't section him because it's too much paperwork. And they'd just let him back on the street and he'd come back there over and over again, five times a 36-hour period. It was just extraordinary. Mm. You know, just and, and this is, as I say, what's happening all the time. I yeah, mean, yeah, it was interesting because I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I had a lengthy conversation at the beginning uh, with, uh, I assume, the senior officer who was in charge of the whole thing, you know, to, you know, whether they moved us or not. The PSAs wanted us off their property. Parliament <laughs> House was their property. That's right. And they niggled people, they harassed yeah. people, yeah, they yeah. made lewd comments to some of the women there, just went on and on. Yes, yes. But, but yeah. the police refused to move because they understood yeah. Yeah. that what they've got is a social bottleneck in Burke Street, right in front of Parliament House, and they can't police their way out of it. Exactly. There's no yeah. other solution. They, they, yeah. not, if you go there at midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, it is a militarised zone. You've got police cars, people being arrested, searchlights. It's just, you've got to live there. I mean, we lived there up on the top of Parliament House for 10 days and yes, we saw yeah, all this, and yeah, this is yeah. a regular occurrence. Yeah. Quite extraordinary. And the same happens, of course, you know, mm. on the corner of Elizabeth and Flinders Street, yeah, which yeah. is a, a real hot spot for yeah. over-policing. And, yeah. and not just in Melbourne, all the country towns as well. I had oh, the yeah. same experience yeah. when yeah. I was in Ballarat. Yeah. A few months ago, I mm-hmm. stayed overnight, and uh, the situation mm-hmm. there was homeless people in Ballarat. Oh, they're everywhere. And it's a pretty cold place to be in the middle mm-hmm. of winter when you're homeless. Mm-hmm. And but the key is, what, what interests me is, obviously, homelessness is an issue, but what really interests me is people's attitude to it, people's attitude to poverty, people's attitude to uh, people who've been exploited. It's, it's just, it's different. It's yeah. wrong. We don't believe in a concept of And to me, that is... A government issue. It is, yeah. I and mean, you yeah. walk the streets, you know, yeah, yeah, you see the yeah, shit all the time. Yeah. But uh, as I say, I do see a lot of young people around who are concerned, and mm. Um, mm. and it, it, it just in the, in the number of young people who are now um, helping. I belonged to an organisation one time that would feed people on the street, mm. and we would go around in a van and give out food, mm. and most of the people involved in that were young people, I mean mm. people 18, 19 year old, mm. who would um, volunteer, mm. volunteer their time and, and money. I mean, mm. sometimes we had to buy the food. The situation's has changed now. Now there's a subsidy and there's organisations now that rescue food mm. and uh, distribute it. But back then, I mean, we were carrying everything. We were carrying... Um, uh, food, we were carrying um, medicine, we were carrying sanitary needs mm. for a lot of women on the street, mm. and because of no access to any of this, so we would supply. And the organisation still does very, very well. It's still, you know, mm. it's, I mm. sometimes help them out refitting their vans. When they buy a van, I've got the skills to um, fit it up. 
mm. so it can be used. Now, Raymond, we're nearly finished, yeah, believe yeah, it yeah. or not. But being an old codger, <clears throat> been around for many years and been what I call a perennial activist for many, many decades, a side around the streets, you got any thoughts for people? Well, I suppose the main thing to do is, you know, the sort of goodness of human nature. I'm still, even though I feel sometimes we live in a world where people are only five inches from their device, that some of that technology has opened up new sources of information about problems in society that may not have been available through the concepts of television or the or newspaper. So social media in that way does have a definite benefit. And I can see, I'm not, look, I'm not a social media person, but it has given people access to information they haven't had before. But do you think they're acting on that information? Or do you think look, it gives them a false sense of security? Look, I think a lot are. A lot aren't. A lot, a lot, it's a voyeuristic risk thing. You, mm. you look at what the situation is and you think, oh, how terrible that is and move on. But other people, I mean, We've seen, you know, demonstrations against uh, live ac- exports, mm. against the Adani mine, which has been very successful. Mm. And all that's been... And all those young so students coming out regarding media. climate change. Yeah, yeah. Young students, mm. yeah. So mm. that, and we would find that hard. I remember back at the old days of the Unemployed Workers' Union, for mm. instance, that our method was a Romeo. Romeo was... We used to, Romeo, that's yeah, right. Yeah, we used to... Turn, that's what we had. And when the police used to raid as a Coldwell Cox, after the first they used to smash. The Romeo, that's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they'd, they'd get, always break up our little... We used to put out a... Um, we had a program on 3CR back at Cromwell Street days, yeah. and we put out a newsletter every yeah. week, yeah. which yeah. we made up with this ain't old machine. Right, you know? yeah, and right. we used to distribute mm. around Collingwood oh, and Fitzroy. Yeah. And so whenever we were raided, the police used to love smashing up, but they were cheap at that time because they'd become obsolete, so you get any number of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get a donated. Well, Raymond, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to yes, you. Thank you. And uh, what I love about you, Ray, it's not the fact that you send me all these SMSs, which I never look at, but what, <laughs> but, but what I really love about you is you're in your 70s and you're still fighting the good fight and you're still out there and you're putting body on the line for other people. So congratulations. It's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, hopefully... I'll see you at many other gatherings over the next decade. And if, and if, and if you die, and if you die before me, I'll come to your funeral. If your wife invites well, me. Well, I've got a lease of life because I've given up smoking, so yeah. smoking and drinking. So I've lived, I'm living a pretty pure life now. Well, that's good. All you need to do is enter a monastery and you'll be fine. Thank you very much, Dale. Okay, All the best. Thank you, Dale.
could see no reason to find my way back home.